The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. Oh, that's a long way. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. For the championship. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the college basketball weekend betting preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson and Mike Randall. And if you were looking to get a head start on the weekend and you placed action on Colin to bring up 90s Arkansas basketball. It actually started before we recorded. I jumped on and they were, Randall and Colin were talking about, I heard Corliss was the first first name I heard. We were talking about Billy Packer um, and his hate for certain teams. They hated like that Arkansas team. My dad hated Billy Packer because my dad was a St. Joe's fan and loved uh, that Jameer Nelson, Delonte West team. And it was always like Billy Packer, who's an ACC guy, hates them. I hate Billy Packer. So, good memory. So, way, way to cash everyone's bets early. What's going on, Colin? What would Billy Packer say these days with Eric Musselman dressing up as a UPS man or running around campus like he's campus police throwing defensive rebound flyers on everybody's car around campus? Uh, I think Billy Packer would uh, probably not like Musselman's tactic. When I think of a contributor to the game of basketball, I think of Billy Packer, one of the great contributors to the game in so many ways. Billy, how do you want to be remembered? Mm, I really don't want to be remembered, to be honest with you. It, uh, that, that's really not important to me. Uh, I don't have any interest in what people think about me. It's a good week in college basketball, but it just amazes me. It seems like most of the plays that I get into the app and I get some hard-earned cash down, there are just last five-minute breakdowns for some of these teams. It is amazing how you can lead by 10 and then lose by 10. Uh, it seems to be happening more frequently than usual, but that is the name of college basketball. Yeah, we'll get to bitching in a second. Um, yeah, figuring out and just who's playing, especially these smaller teams. I, I still having a hard time figuring that out. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm still trying to get get a, a hold of everything. And you, you'll go through the process with me, uh, Randall. What's going on? Any Billy Packer memories? Yeah, back here in Jersey, we have not gotten over that phantom foul that sent Ramil Robinson to the line in 89 when Michigan beat Seton Hall of PJ's team the whole thing really went downhill from there right getting choked by Latrell Sprewell for, for him after all of this but yeah Packer usually came hard at a team in a particular game and uh, that's the one that we remember around here because Seton Hall man they had that game what a great team that was so do we have a heel announcer these days it's got to be Fran for because he hates betters right stuff do you think that there's a is there, do we have a heel? I mean, Bill Walton's not a heel broadcaster because he's just out there. He's very West Coast. There's one that's universally hated. Um, no, Vitell's, Dick Vitell's very polarizing. People either hate him, despise him, or love him. 
What are your thoughts on Vital? I mean, he's he's annoying, but sometimes uh, if it's a big game, he can bring – just all he has to do is just yell. I said, who would you rather have on a game, Bill Walton or Dick Vital? Almost was 50-50, but the overwhelming feeling was that if it's just a random game and it's not like of any significance, they'd much rather have Walton. But if the game has meaning, you know, they don't want to hear about crabgrass with Walton during the game, they'd rather have Vital. Oops, sir. Uh, just play Bill Raftery for me at my funeral and I'll be happy. The goat. Onions! Double order! Onions! A little kiss. <laughs> um, I love Raph. Uh, my friend one time saw him. He went to school in New York City. It was somewhere in New York City, and he just he saw Raph. I think it was like at a restaurant or somebody yelled out, send it home or send it down, Jerome. Yep. And Raph uh, gave him a point back. Um, he's the man. All right, let me set up what we're going to do today. As always, we'll have the guys from Three Man Weave back for our Friday night six-pack. We had a great week two weeks ago, a bad week last week. I think we're eight and eight overall. You clowns couldn't pick winners last week. My game got canceled. So we'll pick it up. We'll pick it up this weekend. It's the college basketball season. It's going to be many ups and downs. I also will talk with Blake Lovell at the Blake Lovell about SEC. At the end of the podcast, we spoke for about 15 minutes on Alabama ceiling. Who's that second best team? What's wrong with Tennessee? Uh, we actually covered every team, I think, except Arkansas, because I assumed we would get that covered here with Colin. And we will have our favorite Saturday spots. We will have our futures. I look into the futures. We'll add a future to our portfolio. I'm up there. We'll start there at, in just a minute. But first, we have to just vent, get out something, anything you want to talk about. I'll I'll start. I'm going to thank you, Clemson, for yes. rebounding and covering yes. against UNC after embarrassing me against Duke on Saturday. I'm somehow four and two betting Clemson this year. It feels like I'm two and thirty because when they lose, it's horrifying. Um, but uh, I have to I have to bitch about the OVC. Uh, the other night I had. I mean, it's it's getting well, Eastern Kentucky. I, I bet I'm against them tonight. We'll see. I mean, they've won like four overtime games. I had Jacksonville State plus one and a half against Eastern Kentucky. It closes minus two, and they are up eight with four to go. And then they kind of, they don't score for four minutes, and then they finally score. They go up three with five seconds left, and they give up a 35 foot banker to force overtime. Uh, from a 29% three-point shooter and right from the top of the key. Like literally just could have went any other angle. They lost in overtime, obviously. And then today I have Tennessee State against SIUE, Southern Illinois, Edwardsville. I get them plus three. It closes the pick. That's a good sign when you're getting close line value. You're going to have stretches where you get great lines and lose. You get great lines and, and crush. It's just a good sign overall. It's just more frustrating when you lose. I, I beat them by three. Another OVC line, uh, SIUE, SIUE, I'll talk about their schedule soon. They, I, I'm, I'm trying to fade them. Tennessee State, who, who has a horrendous offense, goes one of 21 from three. One of 21. And, like, they have a horrible offense. Like, they're one of the worst shooting teams in the country, but that, like, they're, that means, like, 28%. Like, make, make three or four. So I'm mad at the OVC, and now I have to hope Eastern Kentucky doesn't get me again tonight 
against Austin P. So I'm mad at the OVC right now. Randall, I'll throw it to you. Thoughts on the week or anything you want to vent about or just anything on your mind? Been on the good side of positive regression with some bad beats. I, I had Eastern Kentucky in that game. Oh, my God. I, I did. And then last night, for some reason, I have no idea why, guys. Tulsa has made me a, a lot of money. They had no unreal business, cover. No business covering it. It was a terrible pick. It was a terrible situation. But for some reason, me and Frank Haith have a kinship. I have no idea why. Got it down there. It got to three for me right before the game. I took it. And, of course, we'll take it. But just a good week with some bizarre lucky bounces. They go the wrong way. Sometimes they go the right way. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to kind of ride out the bad streaks, enjoy the good ones. And uh, the goal is to end up positive at the end of the year. And hopefully this year, start figuring some more things out by March and crush March. But that was crazy because Tulsa, SMU, they can't close games. It's very bizarre. They have, they always have these huge melts in the second half, but they were up by like 17 with six to go or something. And then they cut it. Tulsa gets it to three gets fouled on a three, misses with like three seconds left, misses the first, makes the second, misses the third. So they're down two, missed the third on purpose. SMU gets the rebound, and the line closed three. It was two, and Tulsa doesn't get the foul off it. they cover. So, yeah, that was an incredible cover. Um, Colin, thoughts? uh, If you want to share, we talk SEC later in the show. If you want to share thoughts on Arkansas, who came out, looking like a pile of dog shit against Mississippi State. They recovered and got and got a cover for you, too. Do you want to share some thoughts on Arkansas, 90s, or current day, or anything else on your mind? What do you got? Woo, pig suey. Colin's talking Razorback basketball. Okay, so I'm going to be really brief on Arkansas because this has become a theme. They are trash. The first 10 to 15 minutes of a game, it happened against Auburn. It happened the other night. It's happening every game, and then Musselman – has to get into his players' face to get them to respond. And, man, respond did they ever against Mississippi State. An amazing run after getting down, I think, 18-5, to I think, at some point. So, uh, you know, that's just going to be the theme with Arkansas. I don't know if I'm going to be taking any more Arkansas pregame because we've had multiple games in a row, uh, including, you know, Oklahoma State, where it's just been really tough sled in the first 10 minutes. And then they're all of a sudden plus five live. So unless you're betting, you know, over book limits of 500 to 1,000 or whatever, I think the way to play Arkansas is to let them keep coming out cold. Putting that down, I don't know how we have a bitch session and I don't talk about LSU. I want to know what the hell that was when you have a one-point lead with 30 seconds left against Texas Tech. I had LSU plus four and they lost by five. They had the lead with 30 seconds. They're up six with a minute to go. Up six with a minute to go. 11-0 run. I've never – I mean, that that game and the end of that game, that last minute, has really summarized my life on the action I have like the last two weeks. East Tennessee State last night, right? They're getting smoked by Mercer. And then they hit everything alive and win by six. I don't even know how that happened. Wichita State, 92% chance to cover with a minute 13 left. Tulane ends up uh, losing by eight and uh, easily covers the 11 and a half. Iowa minus 10. I don't know what you're doing in your last couple games. Actually, I do know, and it's a big handicap into the night. You can't defend the perimeter. Iowa's going to get smoked by somebody that can shoot threes all day. But betting on Iowa minus 10 against Michigan State, I mean, they almost lost the game outright. Uh, And then the heartbreaker of the week, 
every single time I thought my Texas plus six was in great shape, Baylor shows you why they are I, – I can't see who's going to beat them besides Gonzaga. Every time Texas got within the number and looked like they could challenge, there would be consecutive three-pointers in a row from Baylor. They are unbelievable. And Texas gave them everything they had. Everything they had, and the cover wasn't close at the end. Anytime they get Longhorns got close, it was gone. So it was really one of those weeks where the research was good. I thought the picks were good. And then there's just been major breakdowns the last five minutes of these games that I've been involved in. Yeah, uh, I mean, Texas did go 2 of 12 from the line. Um, Yeah, that was the problem. That doesn't help. And can we stop calling just technicals when there's just like a taunt and then the kid walks away? And then there's two free throws in college. And then, like, it's worth a personal foul when you foul out at five. Like, we we got to change those rules. Um, But, yeah, LSU meltdown was uh, incredible. Every team sucks. All right. uh, Let's get into a look into the futures. Here's the thing about the future. Every time you look at it, it changes because you looked at it. All right. So I'm going to bring so far our portfolio is St. Louis, hundred to one. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to make the tournament now. This co I mean, can I bitch about COVID again? Everyone, everyone's okay with that. St. Louis lost to LaSalle the other night. I mean, they have, they, they don't play for like two months and then they, it's unbelievable. I'm probably going to end up playing on Saturday, but it's just so hard to get a feel for what these teams are are, are going to be like after long breaks. So far, the results are very poor, especially the longer the break, the worse the results so far. Um, but we have St. Louis, 100 to 1. If they can get healthy and get on some kind of run and get in the tournament, I love them. We have Florida State, 38 to 1. It's probably my favorite so far. I think they're on a break now. I mean, this season is crazy. Are they on a break or – yeah, they haven't played in like two weeks. They're, they're, I think their next game is – I don't even know, next Saturday? Who knows anymore? Um, and then we have Alabama 25-1. to 1. So and I think Alabama and Florida State are in that handful of teams that could potentially beat Baylor and or Gonzaga on their best day. And Baylor and Gonzaga obviously have to have – Baylor can't shoot – can't play be this good and shoot 50% from three every game. Like, uh, uh, otherwise, yeah, they're going to the national title. So you got to have them have an off shooting night as well. This is something people are always going to say, all right, when do I hedge? When do I hedge? When do I hedge? Like, when you take a look, when when you are betting a future, number one, if it's not life changing money, they usually just let it go. And a lot of time, most casual bettors think that they can start hedging way earlier than you really can. Some people get, get themselves in trouble when you start hedging too early. But like, so, but if you're going to take a, a long shot, Write it down. Tell yourself what your plan is ahead of time. Like St. Louis is not, I don't think, is going to win the national title. Could they get in, get hot, and go to the Final Four as 100-1? to one? Like a, a Loyola Chicago? Yeah, sure. Especially if, like, someone else knocked off Gonzaga. Like, yeah, then I would look to hedge. So, like, that's my St. Louis plan. 100-1, to one, have them get to the Final Four, and then we can profit. So, but looking how top-heavy – it's it's very difficult to – I don't want to have a ton of long shots this year with how top-heavy and how dumb – I can't remember when there's been two teams like that are this much better than everyone else in the field. But I'll start with one long shot that I'll bring to the table. And right now they're not in the tournament. And that's Syracuse 100-1. to And the only reason – I'm sure one of you is going to knock it off, which I don't have a problem with. But, um, yeah, it's Syracuse. Like, 
they you have to bring them up in the, in the discussion at 100 to one. Could they get to the Elite Eight or Final Four if they get in? And they're they're not like very far off from getting in. I think they're like right on the cusp. And it's Syracuse, it's Jim Beheim, which means they're going to get in the, the first four, whether they deserve it or not. You're an idiot and really a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'll, I'm not going to go there. Or they'll probably get a 12 or an 11. It's their zone, right? And it's not as good as a normal Syracuse zone. It doesn't have as much length, but it's still a tricky defense to play, especially on short preparation. And the, all this Syracuse team does, the shitty Syracuse teams, they get in and they, they get in. They're like an 11 or 12 seed when they shouldn't have got in, and then they go to the Elite Eight because no one can make a three against their zone. So I'm bringing up Syracuse because they always warrant a discussion once they get, once they're around that hundred to one level. Um, and uh, Alan Griffin, the Illinois transfer, is is playing extremely well. Speaking of Illinois, I'm going to bring Illinois back up because I go through the teams that you can find them twenty to one right now. I added some. I actually think that they are one of the teams that could beat Baylor or Gonzaga on a good day. I currently have them at number three. They're finding, look, there's there's flaws, but they're this is a top five to me. To others, it's top 10 team. They have two potential pros in Io and Coburn who can dominate down low. And what I really like about them, look, they, they found a way to win that Iowa game. They found a way. It was the ugliest game I've ever seen against Indiana. Found a way to win that game. And their freshmen are getting valuable experience and they're going through the gauntlet of the big 10. You know, it's not like Gonzaga's not going through the gauntlet of a big 10. So I don't know how much I, th- I think that compared to right now to where they could be the potential gap is of, of that where they could reach Illinois. It's so much higher than Gonzaga. Like Gonzaga, we know is a juggernaut. Illinois is really good. I think a top five team right now. And, you know, Grant, Jacob Grandison, he's starting to start now. He's getting starts. And you have Adam Miller and Corbello who are just getting valuable experience as freshmen. They're only going to improve. Coburn is in pick and roll defense is worrisome. But look, if Trent Frazier shows up offensively, this team is is dangerous at, at 20 to one. I think they're worth a shot. And my last team that I'll bring up, Colin's gonna get the knock someone off first. If he doesn't knock off this team, I know I know that Randall won't. Um, or I'm at least I'm pretty sure. And that is Rutgers. I think we're getting into a weird area here. And you can find Rutgers right now, 80 to 1. You can find if you if you look hard enough, you can find a hundred to one out there. So this is like in that range where you would hedge. And if look, if Rutgers got in and got to the final four and Baylor and Gonzaga were there, yeah, I would most likely decide to hedge. And that would that's my plan for almost all hundred to one levels. But this doesn't feel like a hundred to one team. And I think that they're here and the market could adjust very quickly. If you know, and you might want to wait, they're, they're at Iowa. You know, they're home against Minnesota, a desperate Minnesota team. And then they're at Iowa and then home against Northwestern and then at Michigan. So maybe this price doesn't change that drastically. But if, you know, they beat Minnesota and beat Iowa, good night. I mean, this team went through a horrific, horrific drought 
offensively and looked just so bad. They lost, I think, six of seven and five in a row. Now, granted, it's the Big Ten. These were they lost to Michigan State by 23, which was oof, uh, an ugly looking loss. But they lost to Iowa. They lost to Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State. Their offense just didn't look good, but it looks like they figured some things out. We know their defense is excellent. We know that this team is very experienced. It's it's just a tough-minded team. They have players. They can't shoot free throws. It's the biggest worry. They are shooting under 60% for the season. They're 345th in the country in free throw percentage. But there's a lot to like about this team. And, and people, you know – Remember, they early in the year, they beat Syracuse, then they beat Maryland on the road, and then they beat Illinois, and then everyone was saying, this is a top 10 team, right? And then they went through that horrific drought. Well, I think that they started to figure some things out, and I think that this is way too juicy for price. So Syracuse, you always have to consider. Illinois, I really want to add at some point. And Rutgers, I think, is a team that could make a run with their defense and the way that their offense is been trending of late an experienced team uh so those are my three colin you can offer your thoughts or just go right for the kill and knock one off yeah there, it's this is a tough decision for me because i'm not going to touch the rutgers one i actually think right now where rutgers is at in their schedule they it's a good spot to buy them because when you're playing in the big 10 there's not that many gaps of value because the schedule is so tough but they've already been through those. Iowa, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, huge five-game losing streak. Now they've won three in a row. Look what's left out there. I mean, they have Iowa and Michigan, but you get outside of that, it's a list of Northwestern, Maryland, Nebraska, uh, you know, Minnesota back, you know, twice. So, I mean, it's not killer's row here, which means the Rutgers number can only improve from where it is in the market. So I'm going to shove that one aside and say that it has value and it's worthy of consideration. And I'm going to look at the Illinois 20 to 1, and I'm going to look at the Syracuse number. Now, Syracuse bothers me for a lot of reasons, and one is their defensive rebounding is 294th in the country. So you can play zone, and you can be top 30 in the nation at guarding the perimeter, but defensive rebounding being you know almost worst in the nation, I know what they can do to teams when it comes tournament time. But if anybody is able to control the paint against them and hit some threes, I think it would be curtains for, for Syracuse. So even though it's 100 to 1, and Stucky talks about hedging, it, college football is much different. Like we, we talk about the first hedge spot that you have is conference championship games, which are actually quarterfinals. So in college basketball, that's the Elite Eight. And even with my futures in college basketball, I don't even think of hedging through the first weekend. Give me to a sweet 16 game with my Western Kentucky 100 to 1 or whatever, right? I don't even think about it in the first weekend. So you need to allow yourself enough room to possibly hit three money lines in a row. That can really eat up your value fast. So that being said, Syracuse has plenty of value here, and they're a team that can draw a double-digit seed and make it to the Elite Eight. We've seen it before. Illinois is the team that I'm actually going to knock off. Not because I don't like them. Stuck's right. They're three-point shooting. I mean, they're 10th in the nation in three-point shooting, but they don't really rely on the outside shot. They are good all over the place except for one, and that is they can't take the ball away. They're 312th defensively in turnover percentage. But this is not the time to buy Illinois basketball if you look at their schedule. They got Wisconsin up. Uh, at home the next week, uh, next Thursday, they've got Michigan on the road. After that, 
rest of the schedule is pretty, pretty easy. Minnesota, Nebraska, uh, Northwestern there. That's the stint to buy them. So one week from today, I would have made Illinois the play if it was up to me. But because we have two huge, you know, two teams that are in the top 11 right now, according to Ken Palm, I think you wait a week on Illinois. So I'm going to go ahead and X them out, even though I think they have a great chance of going deep in the, in the tournament. I just think that 20 to one is probably going to be better one week from right now. Uh, okay. I will add one point that I need to add here is Syracuse. They, they're going to get Sidibe back, which is, I think he was going to be back at that Louisville game. If he wasn't, can't, if it wasn't canceled, he's going to be, he's going to give them more of that length in the zone. Now, what does Behan do with the lineup? Who does he bench? Does he bench Griffin? Griffin's been their best offensive player. Does he bench Dolce? I don't, I don't know. Um, but he's going to add a piece that could be, could take that zone defense and elevate them. It's going to take some time and it'll also give them another body I mean, they're, they have no bench. They're 343rd in the nation in bench minutes. It'll give them more depth. So that's that's a, an intriguing piece, which, which is, look, if it all starts clicking for Syracuse with him back, then their price is going to plummet. They're easily going to be in the tournament. Um, so did want to bring that up. But, uh, okay, you're nixing Illinois. I, look, I'm going to have to wait three more weeks. I, 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 no, I might, I, I, might, I might put them up. You might week. get them. I know. Look, yeah, it's a it, fair it, and square game. If they lose, if they lose one of these two with Wisconsin, Michigan, that twenty to one, so I might bring it up next week, depending on the number. All right, uh, my beloved Illini are, are gone. I L L. Uh, Randall, you have your beloved Rutgers and Syracuse to choose from. I think I know where you're going here. Just like Pavlov's dogs, you totally set me up, and I'm going to follow the bait. I'm taking the bait from you. Yes, we are going to eliminate Syracuse, and I will talk about Rutgers in a minute. I was going to eliminate Illinois for the same reasons you guys just said. It's the price issue. They have everything you need. I was doing a study recently. I think they're one of the few teams that can beat Gonzaga and Baylor, but it's a price thing for me. I also have questions about Underwood. You know, Sometimes they've, they've done some things that have been very odd. They played Baylor. Coburn got in foul trouble earlier this year in the neutral, and they sort of got their doors blown off. But I agree. They're the best team of these three but the price is not right. Now let's go to Syracuse. Stucky, you're right. It's the style. Ever since the ghost of, of Malachi Richardson, Syracuse is a team that can come up and just all of a sudden match up with like a UVA that year, and they have things going in their direction. You can't stop them. They eliminated Michigan State with Miles Bridges a couple of years ago. So they are a team that matches up, and, and, and it's confusing. They can totally stop teams with the way they play. But their three-point shooting hasn't been great. I have questions about Gerard as the point guard. They do have to get the bigs back, but I am going to, because of the value and because of what you said, I am going to keep Rutgers and I'm going to eliminate Syracuse. Rutgers, and yes, this is bias and I really don't care. It's time for you to gush about Rutgers, by the way. This is your stage. They were on fire earlier this year. Steve Peichel has done an amazing job. Rutgers was a doormat in Piscataway. Nobody cared. The rack is empty. Good seats still available. He has turned them around. They have an identity, much like Syracuse with the zone. They play defense. They get up in your face, and they were rolling. They beat Illinois at home earlier this year. They beat Maryland away by 14. They beat Syracuse at home by 10. They were playing very well, and then the injuries occurred. 
the freshman center who was the highest recruit Rutgers ever had in God knows how long, Cliff Amaruri, seven-footer center, got injured. They had to deal with that. Ron Harper was not healthy. He was injured as well. He's their leading scorer. He's been one of the best players in the Big Ten this year. So, yes, they went on a five-game slide. I understand that. But we talked about this a couple of years ago. Texas Tech and Auburn both made the Final Four. Both had three-game losing streaks right at the end of the January in those seasons. I love the defense. They struggle with the free throws, but their metrics are off and their profile is off because they battled injuries. It's like a Jenga puzzle. They are a defensive team, but they do play up-tempo a little bit more than you would think. They've scored big points. They put 91 points up on Illinois at home back on December 20th, but they've started to come around. They went in Indiana way. First time they've done that since joining the conference. Michigan State destroyed Michigan State, who we saw bounce back against Iowa. Northwestern solid went away. They had that game early, and they ended up cruising at the end. But they have games coming up, Minnesota, Iowa away, which is going to be a revenge spot. They played them at home and only lost by two. That's when Iowa was scoring at will all over the place. The price is right for Rutgers. They have a style. Pico's a really good coach, and they are healthy now. So, yes, I'm getting rid of Syracuse. I love the play stuck because I do think Syracuse has a style that confounds people, and they're always a good value. But Rutgers, at what would you say, 80-1? to They play in the Big Ten. They were beating some of the top teams. They play tough defense. They rebound. They don't turn the ball over on offense, and they battle through so many things this year. And don't forget, Geo Baker was hurt to start the year, and he's probably their go-to guy at the end of the game. So, yeah, I think it's a great call. You put the fish on the hook, and I'm going to go after it. I'm leaving Rutgers, and I'm killing Syracuse. Why, why can no one on the team hit a free throw, though? I mean, who can hit a free throw? Jacob Young, is that it? They do struggle with free throws, but then if we're comparing them to Syracuse with free throws. McConnell, throw, I guess. McConnell, if McConnell. you can get him the ball there. And I know Syracuse is making them this year. They're 80% in, in uh, ACC play, but Syracuse has a trouble with free throws for years. I get it. It's, it's, I get it, but the val- it's the value to me, the value of the future, and the fact that I've seen this team cooking earlier in the year when they were healthy. They've shot a worse free throw percentage in conference play than they did before conference before they started playing against Big Ten teams. It's getting worse. Yeah, that's that's my only concern. But I I that's I brought them up for the value. That's why right. they're on my list. But yeah, like if 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 they're in a physical and they're in a physical game, a defensive low scoring game in the tournament, and they're they're ten of twenty four from the line, and they let a team hang in, and then it just comes down to random variance at the end. That's the only thing that's scary. But I agree. I would have been fine with all three, especially getting Syracuse before Sidibe comes back and with their with their style. So I'm cool with it. We add Rutgers to the list. Yeah, one more, guys. Don't forget the Ohio State game. They were destroying Ohio State at Ohio State on Wednesday, December 23rd. Then two players get injured, leave that game, and they get outscored by 20 over the last 10 minutes. So people forget that. They were winning on the road. They were playing good teams. The injuries have mattered. I get with the free throws, but I think it's a great call. Perfect. Great segment. Let's move on to our Friday night six-pack. Six guys, six picks. It's a College Hoops weekend six-pack. So let's bring in the newest contributors to our College Hoops family here at the Action Network, Kai McEwen, Jim Root, and Matt Cox, better known as the three-man weave. They join us every week this season to help us build our weekend six-pack, six picks for the Friday night College Hoops slate. You can catch them on Twitter at 3MW 
underscore CBB and on the Three Man Weave podcast. We had some ups and downs last week. I think you guys went one and two. How are you guys doing, Jim? Ups and downs is exactly right. That's. I think we all wish our best bet got postponed, just like yours, Stucky. That was obviously not ideal for you, but you know, better than a loss. We bounced back this week, though. That's what we do. We come back every week. Matt said it last week. We don't get too high. We don't get too low. Got some winners coming this time around, so let's get to it. Yeah, and look, Twitter, we're going to have fun with our Friday night six-packs, but um, and if you want to give... The three men we've got shit like you give me shit. That's what Twitter's about. But wait, wait, like a couple weeks or wait towards the end of the year. All right, let's get it cooking. So uh, let's go to Kai first for the first pick of our Friday night six-pack. We're going to the Summit League where South Dakota State plays league leader South Dakota. The Coyotes are 8-0 in the Summit, but they are extremely overvalued, guys. A 32-point win over Omaha and a 39-point win over Denver are juicing their Ken Palm rating currently. These two teams did meet already this season in a weird non-conference game at the Pentagon, but Douglas Wilson did not play that game for South Dakota State. He is their best player. And Noah Friedel, their second best player, got ejected halfway through the game. The Coyotes were also 12 for 24 from three that game. What I'm saying here is that South Dakota win was an anomaly. It's not going to happen again. South Dakota State is going to show that they are the best team in this league in a semi-revenge spot and a chance to take possession of first in the summit. Douglas Wilson's going to eat. This line opened at six at Circa. I wouldn't be surprised if it got higher as other books open it. I'm taking it up to eight, minus six to minus eight, South Dakota State, Jack Rabbits. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I love the South Dakota State offense. Great analysis. Couldn't agree more. I think uh, as long as South Dakota doesn't have just an otherworldly Shooting performance, uh, I think South Dakota State should win this game by double digits. All right, Jim, what do you got? Hi, well, it is the middle of winter. I'm going down to the beach. We're going to Miami. This is the actual beach design court at Florida International. If you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. There's an actual like water line and palm trees on the court. It's crazy. I don't know how they play basketball on it, but I'm riding with the home team here. FIU minus two and a half. Hosting UTSA, better known as Meet Meep to all Stucky's followers there. Uh, I just think FIU's set up for a good spot here. They've lost seven in a row. Obviously, that looks bad, but they've had huge personnel limitations. Yeah. Eric Lavette's missed a bunch of games. Antonio Day's been out a few. Radshot Davis has been out. But this week, they played a non-Division One game against Florida Memorial, got their feet back under them. We saw Day and Lavette both get out there. That's huge. Lavette's a do-everything wing, can knock down shots. Day is a fantastic slasher and their best on-ball defender. So that's big for a team that pressures. FIU, I like them minus two and a half. UTSA here, not a good road team. This, this is the probably the, the, the clincher stat for me here. The Roadrunners on the road this year, 0-8 against the spread, negative 12.9 cover margin. They are getting destroyed every time they leave San Antonio this is trouble for them against an FIU team that should be bouncing back, getting healthier on the upswing. Give me FIU minus two and a half. I would take it up to four. I'm sorry, Jim. This makes me sad, but I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't think I I have to break this game down a little more. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I also don't agree with you. You're right about UTSA or meet me on the road. And they will go as Javon Jackson goes, who can go for 40 on any given night, really. He's one of the most electric 
streaky scores in the country. You know, it's basically him and Keaton Wallace. And Keaton Wallace is, uh, he, uh, you would think he's eventually going to get hot from three. I mean, this is a 35% three point shooter. He's like, I think 27, 28% in the year. So he's not having a great year. But they go as those two senior guards go. This is a this can be a guard wing any, any game. Florida National plays four out. They have no size whatsoever. They do like the pressure, as you said. They both want to play with a, a ton of pace. I, I could see this being a shootout. Um, but what is going to keep me potentially away from FIU is they like to pressure. They rely on forcing turnovers. That's pretty much their defense. But UTSA doesn't turn the ball over. That's one of their biggest strengths with their two senior guards. So don't know if I agree with you, but we will be back reunited on the same page shortly. All right, Matt, what do you got? Yeah, well, Jim's down there being a snowbird. I'm staying true to my miserable Midwest roots going up to the mitten, the land of Oak, Oak land. It will not be warm up there, Jim. I can assure you that they are hosting Cleveland state right there, just outside of Detroit. Greg Campy and the boys of Oakland, man, I tell you what, they had a rough start to the season, as rough as you can possibly have. I think most people remember the 140-point loss to Xavier on opening day. Uh, but fast forward a couple of weeks later, they actually competed with Michigan, took Michigan into overtime. And since then, they've been quietly flying under the Horizon League radar. Of uh, their 4-1, and one, their last five against the number. Uh, they're led by Rashad Williams and Jalen Moore, two of the highest-used players in the entire country. As they go, so go the Grizz. But the one matchup looking at here, which is why I think the Grizz have a ton of value, Campy's installed this really funky zone this season. He basically kind of changes his whole scheme each year, a year in and year out. With the back-to-back setups, teams in the first legs of the back-to-backs have had major issues solving this Rubik's Cube of a defense. The Grizz are 5-2 and two against the number in the first legs of these back-to-backs. It should have been 6-1, and one, except for an overtime heartbreaker that, uh, that saw that creep outside the number. They're catching the darling of the horizon this year. Cleveland State, you got to pay some respect to the opponent here. The Vikes have been awesome under Dennis Gates, a coaching superstar right now. But the variance three-point regression monster is lurking in the shadows. They sag off. They allow a ton of threes. Opponents have just not hit at a high rate this season. Oakland is a team that will convert on those opportunities. I like the Grizz. I made this game. Cleveland State, minus three. Anything up to pick is what I take it. All right. There you have it. I agree with you. Cleveland State beat me last weekend. There's no way that teams are going to keep shooting, what, 29 28% in conference from three against Cleveland State. I, I just don't see it. And on the contrary, teams against Oakland are shooting 38% from three. So you do have some <clears throat> variance in play. I uh, like both coaches in this matchup, but don't disagree there. So those are the first three picks for our weekend six-pack from the Guys from Three Man Weed, thanks for joining us as always. We have South Dakota State minus six, Florida International minus two and a half, and Oakland plus one and a half. All right, I'll start with the fourth pick. Uh, I'll make it short and sweet. Uh, I looked like an idiot last week taking New Mexico State against Grand Canyon. I still think they're the class of the conference. Look, they they played on December. They played on December first, then December twenty eighth, then January twenty fifth. They have, they've been missing a bunch of pieces. They got everyone back for last weekend. It's a really experienced team, but they were still trying to figure it out. But they just haven't made a shot. They're shooting 22% from three on the year. This is one of the most experienced teams in the country that shot 35% from three last year. They were top 35 to top 50 
offensive efficiency last year. God, this they're just not making shots, and they have shooters on their team. Um, the shots are eventually going to fall. They lost two straight at Grand Canyon last week. This is a team under Chris Chance that generally will win the conference, uh, I think is the best team in the conference. And now they get a Cal Baptist team that, by the way, is shooting – they have some good shooters, but they're shooting 40% from three. So you want to talk about some regression working in both ways here. Cal Baptist is going to play fast. There's going to be a lot of possessions here. I, I think it's a great spot for New Mexico State to take out their anger on Cal Baptist. Uh, last, the last game of last season when these two teams met before the shutdown, New Mexico State won 83-50 at home. Their shots eventually have to fall if they do it. Um, I think they should cover minus 10 and a half. Randall, where are you going? Yes, I had a crush on Susanna Hoffs growing up. So, yes, the Bengals song Eternal Flame is always in my head, but the password is Yaklich. I am taking Illinois Chicago getting 10 and a half at home against Wright State. They have defeated Wright State at home each of the past two years. And we know that Wright State can be very frenetic. Sometimes we get dominant Wright State, and sometimes they struggle. Lost by 10 at Oakland lost at home by two to Youngstown State, also lost by two at home to Cleveland State. So you never know what you're going to get, but you usually know you're going to get a good defensive effort from Yaklich and the Flames in Illinois, Chicago. Now, they had a COVID shutdown earlier in the year, which is why they did not play from December 20th until January 8th. When they returned, some players were out. They were in disarray. disarray. They lost back-to-back games to Purdue-Fort Wayne, which is what has thrown everyone off. But they had two games at home following that to Robert Morris, who they beat. That's a decent Robert Morris team. They beat Youngstown State away, and they lost two games to Northern Kentucky last week. Both were very close, lost by four and lost by two. Thank you for the half-point cover in the second one. Now they host Wright State, but their team does have their players back. Maurice Commander has played eight games this year. He's been healthy. He's been playing well as a guard for them, shooting 40% from three-point range. They also have Braylon Bridges back, who is out for a while, 10, uh, 10 points per game, five rebounds per game. They have Kirk. They have Diggins. They score, and they play defense. I do not see Wright State coming in and blowing them out in the first game. I think 10.5 is too much. I think it's going to be very close. I think Yaklich can actually pull the upset because we've seen the inconsistency with Wright State. So my pick is going to be take the 10.5 at home on a Friday night, give me Illinois, Chicago, and cue the Bengals because I think they're going to keep it close and could pull the upset. You love UIC, by the I way. I do. Um, They've done well for me. Don't uh, don't hate the analysis. And, yeah, Wright State has had, like, one stinker in these double headers, um, like, almost every time. Um, so, uh, Colin, it's time for you to get off the schneid. Where are you going? Hey, this is Matt, the producer. Unfortunately, Colin cannot break his losing streak this week as North Florida at Liberty has been postponed. So if you want to listen, have fun. Otherwise, you can skip ahead for 60 seconds and we'll pick right back up. Thanks for listening.
Yeah, let's get off the schneid here. We're going to go with a North Florida Liberty under. We got the Flames and the Osprey here. If I knew what sound an Osprey made, I would try to do that for the podcast. But, <laughs> uh, you know, Ken Palm makes this game 137. As we record, it's around 136. And, uh, you know, I, I think the number is good down to about 134. Uh, and reasons for the under here, I mean, their tempo this is the two slowest teams that are going to be playing on Friday night, uh, 256th and 349th. Liberty is the best defensive efficiency team in the Atlantic Sun, specifically around the perimeter. They're the best in the conference, and that's where the Osprey like to shoot. Uh, they're the best in the A-Sun at three-point percentage, so Liberty's going to be able to shut down the best weapon for North Florida. Liberty is the worst offense in the conference at getting to the free-throw line, and North Florida's defense has a major height advantage here. So I see points being an issue. I see getting the free-throw line being an issue. Uh, I see a lot of defense being played. Uh, and, and so, you know, there's a there's a huge, huge edge here for North Florida and two-point defense in the paint, and that that should reign supreme over Liberty here. I like the under. All right, so that's our weekend six-pack, our six picks for Friday night. We have South Dakota State, minus six, Florida National, minus two and a half, Oakland plus one and a half, New Mexico State, minus ten and a half, UIC plus ten and a half, and North Florida Liberty under 136. All right, before we get to Blake and talk some SEC, let's close things out here with a little around the horn for Saturday. So many games. So little time. Let's look at the Saturday slate. Yeah, I'll start. I have to bring up, I brought this up earlier in the show, Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, who stinks. I mean, their they're defense, they, 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 have, they have good length. They have some shot blockers, but their offense is, is, is terrible. They are playing Belmont on Saturday. And Southern Illinois played last Saturday. Let, let's go back even further. They played January 26th, Tuesday, then January 28th, Thursday, then Saturday, January 30th, then Monday, February 1st, then Tuesday, February 2nd, then today, Thursday, February 4th, and now Saturday, February 6th. That means since last Saturday, this will be their fifth game. And, uh, you know, they probably should have lost today. Tennessee State doesn't shoot one of 21 from three. I don't know how they have the legs to guard Belmont's offense. And the last time these two teams met, Belmont won 114-62. to 62. Kempom projects the spread at 12. I hope it's 12. Um, so I, Southern Illinois Edwards, their schedule is, is brutal, and this closes up uh, just a, a vicious, vicious stretch. Uh, Colin, I'll kick it to you. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going to stay. I'm going to be in the SEC here, and I think we could get Tennessee at a discount after a loss against Ole Miss. What an ugly, nasty game to watch. But, you know, Tennessee is the best adjusted efficiency team in the nation on defense, and Kentucky is dead last in the SEC in two-point shooting percentage. You know, UK's weakness on defense is guarding the perimeter, and Tennessee's three-point shooting if you look at the overall season stats, it's nothing to write home about, and it doesn't catch your eye. But look at the past two games. 42% against Ole Miss, 61%, 61% against Kansas. That is a huge turnaround for this Vols team. And, and, you know, maybe there's some regression to those numbers, but maybe as bad as they've been shooting all season long, that isn't who this real team has been. So big turnaround for a team uh, that has a season mark at about 31%. So I think you're getting Tennessee to discount off a loss. I like him against Kentucky. Randall, what do you got? 
I'm going to go to Clemson, Syracuse. Clemson was playing a lot of overs for some reason, but they've hit three unders in a row. Here comes Syracuse down to Clemson with their zone. Clemson certainly can't score. The way they win is they slop it up and they play good defense. And Syracuse offense doesn't do much for me there against Clemson. So right now, I'm not sure what the number is going to be. It's probably at 134, 135. I'm going to grab that right away because however this game goes, I don't see Clemson finding offense against Syracuse's length, and I don't see Syracuse scoring against Clemson's defense, which has been exactly what they've relied on for the last three unders in a row. So I'm going to take the under there with Syracuse and Clemson. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Uh, Sadive should be back, by the way. So the only thing – I think that's going to help them a ton. The only worry there is like – what does that do to their rotation? Is does it does the zone need some you know a couple ga- days for a couple games for him to get back in the flow? I, I don't know who they're going to sit. They're going to start. I that's the only thing. But yeah, Clemson that offense against Syracuse. Um, yikes! Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, I'm going to go – I'm going to get ugly here. I'm going to go Iowa State. Iowa State, maybe we can get a big number here. Can we get, like, I don't know, 14, 15, 13-plus against Oklahoma? Oklahoma, by the way, first team in 40 years with four top 10 wins in one month. Did you know that? Pretty crazy. They just have got – I mean, look, they played Kansas, then Texas, then Alabama, and then Texas Tech. And now you get – Iowa State at home, noon tip, and then you have a week off before you play West Virginia. Just a super sleepy spot for a team that's played a ton of big games. Uh, Iowa State, look, they've been bad. They have two wins over Pine Bluff and Jackson State. That's uh, that's not great when your only two wins over SWAC teams. But this is a team that they've dealt with some guys out of the lineup. Javon Johnson should be back. That will help this weekend. They got a couple guys. I think Solomon Young came back last game. They fought West Virginia at home all the tooth and nail all the way to the end. There's some other games where they've hung with teams. They lost by six at Texas. They lost by 11 at home to Baylor. They lost by five at West Virginia. They've hung in some games. They have some shooters who I think can make enough shots against Oklahoma's perimeter defense in a very sleepy spot. I think we can catch the Cyclones here with a good number. Colin, what do you got? I'm going to stay in the SEC, and I know that we – boy, it seems like we podcast every week, and we're trying to find a spot to fade Alabama. I mean, even though we've taken them as one of our futures, it's we think that this just can't keep up. And you know what? I'm not going to fade them this weekend. I just can't back Missouri, who is really playing well. I mean, Missouri's 12th in the SEC in perimeter defense, and that's what's going to be a problem against Alabama, who's still shooting 39.9% in SEC play from the perimeter. Uh, Alabama is the top – ranked SEC team in defensive efficiency. Uh, Mizzou almost never shoots three-pointers, and they're going to be challenged in the paint. And it's just – listen, I know we keep looking for the spot. Where is the spot for Alabama? I don't know if we're going to get it, but Missouri certainly does not have the ingredients to possibly pull off an upset here. Brad, what do you got? Old Miss, 2-5 and on the road, coming off a nice home win against Tennessee. 
their games on the road in SEC have not been fantastic. Lost at Alabama by 18. Lost at Florida by 9. Lost at Arkansas by 16. Lost at Georgia 10. Listen, they beat Mississippi State. That's a rivalry game. I get it. I kind of throw it out. Auburn here coming off a loss to Georgia. They're home. They lost to Baylor in a tough game on the road. They hung around. They lost to Georgia. They're going to be angry. They're not going to want to lose three in a row. No tournament this year for them. Sharif Cooper, heavy dose. I think they get up early. It's only going to be four because Mississippi's defense has played well, but not on the road. I'll take over and give the points. By the way, Austin P is up 15 at the half. Hopefully, I don't have more OVC meltdowns. Team to keep an eye on, by the way. They and like like if you look at like a lot of the ratings out there, Ken Palm doesn't really like them that much or hasn't as much as I have, at least. They have two potential pros in Terry Taylor and Jordan Adams. Jordan Adams, he was hurt. He's getting healthier. It's a team that looks like, you know, that was supposed to be competing for the OVC title. Um, keep your eye on the governors. And the big news out of Austin P this week is that Jeremiah Oatesville has transferred officially to Memphis Tigers football. <laughs> wow. All right, Colin, breaking college football news in February. FCS to FBS quarterback transfers. You got to love it. I'll bring up one. Uh, South Carolina, look, they were dealing with some COVID issues, trying to figure out their defense, which obviously was just a mess for a little bit. It looks like they figured some things out against Florida and a big road win. They now get Mississippi State at home. This is what Frank Martin teams do. They 2019, they lost like Stony Brook yeah, at home. They lost to Wyoming and Wafford and yeah, Stetson. I mean Stetson. Stetson. And then at the end of the year, they went, they they just go on a run. They've had this stretch where everything just starts clicking. They're healthy. I, I liked what I saw from their defense. And they like to play faster. And uh, I think that, you know, they have their legs now. Uh, they're intriguing against the Mississippi State team that uh, just did not impress me against Arkansas. I thought, you know, they showed some signs of, I, I was like, you know, it's basically just Stort Molinar. There's not much else to get excited about. And uh, I haven't been as excited as I thought I was going to be since uh, earlier in the year. So uh, look out for Frank Martin's bunch. Maybe we can get him at like a pick. That'd be great. Colin, I know you had stuff on Arkansas, which got canceled. Nature of the beast this year. Uh, Randall, you have one more? Ken Palm has Virginia Tech giving six at Miami. I will gladly take that, especially if it's around that magical five and a half number, which I find to be frisky. Yes, that's a very nice. Very nice. Miami, very impressive at home with the win over Duke. No one gave him a chance in that game. They were 10-point underdogs. Isaiah Wong is playing at a different level. 18 points per game, five and a half boards, one and a half steals. Cam Mcgusty is back. He was not there for the first time these teams played back on December 29th at Virginia Tech. And in that game, Virginia Tech escaped with a two-point win. So Miami and home has played well. Larinaga does a good job. I know Virginia Tech has, has, has done well this year but they like to shoot the three. They're going on the road. I just think it's too many points. Miami can win this game. Magusti's back. Wong has is, is played real well. I will gladly take the points in Miami at home against the Hokies. Up, oh, that's it. Good. There it is. Roll, roll, roll. Magusti went 0, 0 of 9 from 2 in that Duke game, and they still won. By the way, is Chris Likes like a figment of our imagination? or like Will they just rule him out for the year or like give me a real update? Whenever you I, see like, somebody in a boot, it's never a good thing. He was in a boot earlier this year. It's not good. I don't know what it is, but it's not good. 
preseason all ACC first team guard. Like he was the supposed to make their. Like it's supposed to be a really good Miami team, but yeah, they've been feisty at times. They'll have these just clunkers. You know, they'll go to BC and get drilled. But you know, they've they beat Louisville at home. They beat Duke at home. They went on the road and beat NC State. You know, they lost by two at Vatech. They lost by one at home to Clemson. They lost by two at home to North Carolina. And this is without a number of players. So Laranega has this team still battling with despite everything that's happened. I mean, Matt Cross recently just transferred. I'm it's crazy. One last thing. I got to do my gift for the who's the regression is coming for. It, I think I'm 4-0 doing that. The next team is Incarnate Word Cardinals uh, from San Antonio. They are shooting like 41% from three. I think top five in the country, somewhere around there. And they're holding teams to 28% from three. Um, like it's unbelievable. This is a team last year that – was that shot 29% from three and allowed 35%. They were one of the worst shooting teams in the country, and now they're over 40%. You know, Keiston Willis, he's shooting over his head. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a very – it's a three-point reliant team, and they're just making them all, and no one can hit a three against them. That's eventually going to change. A guy like Brandon Swaby, who – Last year was 10 of 38 from three. This year he's 21 of 40. Like there's no way that Incarnate Word can keep this up. Texas A&M Corpus Christi, they stink. So does Incarnate Word. We're talking about like two of the, you know, bottom 25 teams. They have three wins on the year against Texas A&M International, Our Lady of the Lake, and Paul Quinn. Not great. They're 3 and 11, but they've had pieces in and out of the lineup. They're getting a little healthier. They should be able to eat at the rim against a very soft interior of Incarnate Word. It sucks, but uh, I'm hoping I can get Corpus Christi, the Islanders, and Willis Wilson uh, at like a pick. That'd be great. I think they get their first conference win here. The Regression Monster's coming for Incarnate Word. Okay, now we are joined by a friend of the podcast. If you listened last year, we had him on to talk some SEC hoops. Uh, Let's now bring in... Blake Lovell. You can find him on Twitter at the Blake Lovell. That's L O V E L L. What's going on, Blake? Thanks for having me, as always, my friend. And yeah, it's uh, good to catch up with you. Been an interesting season uh, for sure. Yeah, the SEC. It's uh, look. I'm in Lexington. My 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 wife, her entire family, all my friends, they're all huge Kentucky fans, and. It's funny because, well, I shouldn't say funny. It's kind of sad because it's February, which is when normally Kentucky is being talked about as the best team in the SEC, not Alabama, uh, which this feels like it's football season all over. Kentucky is bad, and Alabama is clearly the best team in the SEC. You have no arguments there, right? Like they're head and shoulders above the rest. And what I've been most impressed about is their their defensive metrics what what do you think about Alabama and you you agree right they're clearly the best team in this conference yeah clearly I don't think there's any doubt about it anymore um I think even like two weeks ago you may have still looked at Tennessee as a potential team to maybe get on track but as we've seen they've fallen off at this point so I don't think there's anyone right now that that's playing to the level that Alabama is I think Missouri would be second but I think they're a little bit behind Bama in terms of their consistency as we saw 
you know, with the TCU game and, and the Kentucky game, but I guess you give Missouri credit. They, they found a way to win, and that's something they wouldn't have done in previous years. But Alabama's the best team, and like you said, their defense, man, it's just um, – I know we love offense, but if you look at their defensive metrics, like they are, they are so good on defense in terms of just an SEC play. These 10 games, they've been fantastic at pretty much defending everywhere you need to defend to be a good defensive team. And so uh, they're the total package, and that's why they're 10-0 in the league right now. Yeah, I'd say it's a team that I think has, you know, it's one of the few handful of teams that could potentially compete with Baylor and Gonzaga because their defense is there and then they play a high variance offense. So if their threes are falling yeah. and their defense is playing, it's a scary team. The So we agree there. Trying to find out that who that second team, second best team in the conference might be, who could make a run in the tournament. You mentioned Missouri. I, look, I mean – Hey, Florida's coming on. Then they lose to South Carolina at home. <laughs> Tennessee, I mean, they, I don't think they've – they can't – they go through such droughts. Um, and it looks like they've never seen a zone before. If you had to pick one team to make a deep run and, and put it all together, is it Missouri and, and why? I, I think it has to be probably at this point based on what we've seen. Uh, I could always go back to this, you know – we talk about kind of Missouri and, and what, I mean, really these past couple games, I know we, sometimes we have recency bias and it's like, well, they struggled to beat TCU in overtime and, you know, the Kentucky game was not pretty for, for the most part, but still, you know, I think back to back in December and that feels like forever ago at this point, but like they did beat Illinois and they did beat Oregon. Now I know, you know, teams that, you know, they developed throughout the season and all this other stuff, but there's no one else in the SEC that has two caliber wins like that, I think. And so I tend to look at them and like, you know, it's almost like the reverse Kentucky thing where I think people just keep thinking Kentucky is going to turn around this season. And it's like, it's just not happening at this point, but for Missouri, it's almost like you keep expecting them to find a way uh, to struggle maybe just because of the history and, and maybe, you know, Conzo Martin's teams. I know people have always talked about sort of the expectations there and have they always been able to meet them. Uh, but this team just like they find a way to win some of these games. And really, when you look at it, I mean, they they've beaten Arkansas like they've won at Tennessee. They've won at Arkansas. You know, those two games we talked about with Oregon, Illinois, you know, they have a win over Wichita State. I know that's not just a massive win, but they they're one of the most experienced teams in the country. And yep. I know that to me is such a big value this year. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why Kentucky's struggling, but I also think it's one of the reasons why Missouri could very well be the second-best team in the league because uh, they are. I mean, they are top five in the country because this team basically only plays juniors and seniors. And so I tend to look at a team like that and think, all right, I'm probably going to value a team that that has that experience and has already proven that they can beat some of these top-tier teams like in Illinois. Um, and I think that's something that I would probably look at and say, hey, are there any other SEC teams that have done that? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, they're, I think they're they might be top five in experience, minutes, continuity coming into the year. And, and look, it's no coincidence that your normal blue bloods that are generally younger and have a lot of turnover, your Kentuckys, your Dukes, your Michigan States, that they're struggling a lot more this year. Shortened preseason preparation, condensed schedules, and you're seeing it playing out. Missouri has that experience. It's a tough team. If they can get anything – from the outside, like if they have a good yeah. shooting night, that team is dangerous. And look, yeah, they did just barely beat TCU, but TCU beat Oklahoma State last night. TCU was went right down to the wire against Kansas. So, um, yeah, I like what I've seen from Missouri. If there's a team in the conference that could, for, for I guess we'll talk like the bottom half, 
an intriguing team that could maybe make a run in the SEC tournament, someone that's trending up. You know, you might want to naturally would look maybe at Sheree Cooper, who's been unbelievable since mm-hmm. he's came in for Auburn. So maybe you look there. But is there a team that's intriguing from the bottom half of the conference that you think could make some noise in the conference tournament? If you're looking for – you know, this is a betting podcast. If so someone's going to look for a team to potentially target for a conference tournament future in a conference outside of Alabama that has just been wild all season. Well, I think you said it. I would probably start with Auburn. It's so strange because I think two of the teams I would actually mention uh, are two that have just, just played awful, like in their games this week so far. Uh, that would be Auburn, which I don't think they played completely awful, but Georgia just – I mean, they couldn't stop Georgia. Um, but I, I think Auburn with Sharif Cooper is certainly a team I would look at because I always go back with them too. I mean, they are very inexperienced, but you know what? <laughs> they have nothing to lose. They have, they have no pressure on them. Uh, they're not playing for an NCAA tournament bid. They've already banned themselves. So it's like they, they have no pressure, and I think when you have one of the best guards in the country with Cooper – um, that they they could certainly be in that category to beat these inconsistent teams like Florida or LSU or teams like that. So I could see Auburn uh, running through the SEC tournament having a chance to do that. You know, the other team maybe I was I don't think Mississippi State's very good, but like that game against Arkansas before that, I was like, oh, they're starting to trend up. You know, they completely just d- demolished Iowa State, which I know Iowa State's not good this year, but um, they played well at Tennessee, they played well at Alabama. But then they come out and, like, turn it over however many times they did against Arkansas, 20-something times, only scored 45 points. So now I'm, like, rethinking that one. Auburn's the best bet to me of that group. I don't know if you can put South Carolina in there. I know they just won at Florida. But uh, and then again, like, Frank Martin, he does this every year where they, they just have this horrible record at one point, And then all of a sudden they found out, you know, that they finish in the top four or five in the SEC. I have no idea how they do it. Um, yeah. I don't know if they're going to do that this year. But – I guess stranger things have happened, but it's it's crazy to think that they still only played 11 games. So uh, maybe South Carolina, just depending on maybe how they look over the next week or so uh, after that win against Florida. But again, you know, this is the team that just went up and gave up 93 uh, to Vandy here in Nashville. So uh, I have I have no idea what to make to them either. So, yep, I I, I agree with you. I, I know that you're you're based in Tennessee, right? Yeah, I'm in Nashville. So yeah. Uh, thoughts. So are you writing off, you just have no confidence in this Tennessee team. Like their offense is just, you don't think that there's a way that they can figure it out offense. I mean, look, when coming into the year, I said, there's a chance this Tennessee team might be the third best team. They might be the best team in that second tier. I, I, I clearly don't think that now, but is there any chance they can get up there? And then also curious your thoughts on the state and direction of, of Vanderbilt besides hey Scotty Pippen is really good uh so curious to get your thoughts on the two Tennessee programs yeah I'll start with Vanderbilt because I think that's probably a a quicker discussion um I I just think man I think Vanderbilt put themselves way too far behind the eight ball so to speak a couple years ago when they had just that you know that defeated season when they didn't win a game in SEC play and and the program just fell to a point to where I think it, it's just going to take a while to recover. And, and you can't do that in this SEC landscape. Like maybe, you know, 10 years ago, you could have done that when the SEC was struggling to maybe get four or five teams in. And, you know, it was pretty much Kentucky and Florida and everybody else at times. Now it's just there's too many other teams that have kind of made that push to the top, like an Auburn, mm-hmm. like Alabama, um, you know, some of these others. LSU's been there. They won a regular season title not long ago. But for Vandy, you know, they were regularly in that top half of the SEC, which is crazy to think about. But, like, it wasn't that long ago that they were there when Kevin Stallings was still there. And I know how that ended. Um, I know what happened with him at Pitt. But 
I do think Kevin Stallings found some things at Vanderbilt that actually worked and made you realize that you some you really do have to treat Vanderbilt a little bit differently sometimes in terms of how you recruit and that kind of stuff. I think Jerry Stackhouse is a good coach, but I just don't know, you know, for him, is it going to be worth it for him to be able to rebuild this this program the way it needs to be rebuilt? Because I think it's still going to take a while. Like, I still think they're maybe two years away from even being back in that top half. And because we have to consider, too, Scottie Pippen, if he goes to the NBA after this year or something, if he decides to go play professionally somewhere, they're basically starting over again. Like, they have yeah. to – they're not recruiting well, you know, so it's – what do you do from there? And so I, I think Vanderbilt is, um, I don't know. I, I think it's going to take a lot of work for them to get out of that bottom uh, tier of the SEC over the next couple of years. But, you know, with Tennessee, you, you talked about, can they figure this out? I still, I know what that Ole Miss game looked like, but I still tend to think that they are a much better team when Jaden Springer's on the floor. We saw they looked in those two games against Florida and Missouri a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I tend to think that they're better, but there are just some times where you watch this Tennessee team play on offense, and it looks like no one out there has ever been like a top-tier scorer at any level when some of these guys have, and it's just crazy to think kind of where they are on offense right now. They're still one of the best defensive teams in the country um, and all of that, but it's just, I don't know. They're going to have to win rock fights right now, and, and the fact is they couldn't beat an Ole Miss team that's been pretty much average and they gave up 52 points and still couldn't find a way to score more than that. So I wonder about them. Can they figure it out? Yes, but I'll be honest with you and thought that I thought they would have figured out this offense much further to this point. Um, and they've got a pretty – they probably have one of the easier schedules left in the SEC. So I think they have that going for them. Maybe that's the chance to kind of get some things on track. But the next couple of weeks um, are going to be pretty telling, I think, because they do have to go to Kentucky. They've got Florida and LSU. Um, and then things get a little bit easier from there. But – if they don't score points, that they could lose games that they shouldn't lose either. So, yeah, they're uh, some of their zone points per possession splits are uh, the worst mm. in the nation. You hope that they yeah. don't run into a zone, which Ole Miss is going to throw at you. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, I this Tennessee team they're they're like, they're number one in the nation in adjusted defensive efficiency. <laughs> um, their defense is outstanding. They have some of the best on ball defenders in the country. They lose at home to Alabama. I say to myself, okay. Alabama might be really good. This is before, uh, you know, I, I kind of fully bought into Alabama. It's, one, it's their first loss. Then they go to Florida, and they put up a complete, uh, I mean, an embarrassing <laughs> performance. They shorthanded Florida team, lose by 26, and I say, hmm. And then they come – then I, I really got worried when they come home after that and lose to Missouri. I know we both agree that Missouri's a pretty good team, but that, that response after – that Florida yep. loss, that's when I started worrying. So, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I have to see something, signs of life from this offense. Otherwise, they're yeah, they're just going to play these low-scoring games against everybody, and then it's just going to come down to the shooting variance at the end. And they, they, they're, they need to correct the droughts. They go through way too many droughts. And uh, the talent is there. Uh, yep. they, they, they have to figure it out within the next month or so. Um, all right, well, I well, I'll guess, I'll guess I'll, before I let you plug and – let you get out of here. I do appreciate your time. I'll ask you one final question. Projection. How many SEC teams you got to guess right now? Give you a minute to think about it too. Um, get in the tournament and how many make it to the sweet 16 Oof. and final four? Yeah. So basically I'm I, asking you to Alabama go to the final four there. <laughs> yes. That's probably uh, the best thing. You know, I hate to say this, but 
the way teams are playing right now, I tend to think that one of these teams like LSU or Arkansas are going to play their way out of this thing. And I think that would probably wind up putting the SEC with five teams in, uh, which would be Alabama, Missouri, Tennessee, um, Florida, and who am I forgetting? There's probably someone I'm forgetting in there. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I tend to think that it's just – I haven't seen the consistency. And so I'm actually going to say five when before the season I probably would have said six or seven. Um, but then again, I could also see LSU and Arkansas potentially playing their way in too. So six is probably the best-case scenario for the SEC at this point. How many gets to the Sweet 16? realistically, I'm going to say that Alabama, Missouri, and Tennessee have the best prospects of that group. I'm still throwing Tennessee in there. I know we just talked about it, but I don't want to let go of Tennessee just yet because I'm so high on them entering the season. I'm like, I want to hang on to them, but they're they're starting to wear thin on me. Um, So I'm going to say those three have the potential, but I'm with you. Alabama's the only team, in my opinion, that has that chance of getting to the Final Four at this point. I would have put Tennessee in that group. I just can't, the way they play offense right now. Uh, But the way Alabama shoots, the way they're playing defense – if they get going, you catch them on the wrong night. We saw what can happen at LSU when they put up 105 and hit all those threes, 23 or whatever. Um, so I think Alabama certainly has that potential. Uh, and it's crazy to think, you know, it seems like the the talk over the years has been Alabama has been the most inconsistent team in the SEC. And what a season to where they feel like the only team you can trust at this point, maybe outside of Missouri. Uh, so things have pretty much flipped uh, in the SEC at this point. Yeah, it feels like uh... – football season and plus they're going to get Jordan <laughs> Burner back uh, yep. uh eventually here as well yeah I agree with your analysis and uh, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people betting Kentucky to win the SEC tournament for what reason I don't know uh <laughs> because of their name people still bet Kentucky and Duke and, and Michigan State every night but uh I appreciate your time uh again you can find Blake at the Blake Lovell L-O-V-E-L-L uh anything you want to plug Blake no, I mean, you know, as always, we our Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook, I know we're pretty much through the season at this point, but uh, it's still, you know, it's a great resource for anyone who wants to check it out. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there, I think, little fun uh, nuggets about teams maybe that, that may help you out a little bit as you go throughout this conference portion. We're actually uh, thinking about putting together a tournament edition uh, for Blue Ribbon, so that could be something exciting, too. Uh, you can check out uh, all the info on that over at uh, blueribbonyearbook.com. I co-sign that i'm trying i'm looking at my bookshelf right now i i have i think i got like a special edition was, was there like a limited edition cover one this year i don't know yeah. i always have to get the hard like i know that i, I can get it digitally but yep. there's something i've since i don't know college 15 years ago <laughs> i've been reading this back to front and there's something i i need to have it in its physical form but you don't have to do that you don't have to be crazy person like me I, I agree. You can go out there and get it. It's if you're a college basketball fan, better. It's it's awesome stuff every year. Yeah, it's like you. I'm, I'm like you. Like even though we do it like with the digital, I every year I'm like I have to have the spiral bound because I'm like I want to be able yes. to open it and like put it in a certain place so I can take some notes. And uh, like you said though, like it, it's so crazy because even this time of year we're in February. Like, there is still stuff I get out of there, even though the season is played out. But, like, there's little stuff that coaches say sometimes. You look like it trends and stuff, and it's like, man, they're spot on about some of these guys. Uh, so, it is. It's still it's still a great resource. And, uh, yeah, I would definitely advise looking back through that if you're looking for just some – maybe some extra info that could help you out. So Yep, completely agree. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll catch you on Twitter and uh, throughout the craziness of SEC. Thanks again, Mike. Yep, thanks, man. All right, thanks, uh, Blake, for joining us. Thanks to, to the guys from Three Man Weave for joining us as well. 
And as always, thanks Colin and Mike Randall for joining me. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again, leave a review. Not enough reviews. I can't do giveaways. Just take, it takes two minutes. It helps us out. I want to do some giveaways, leave a review uh, on the podcast and tell a friend, tell an enemy, follow all of our picks on the Action Network app, find all of our content on actionnetwork.com. Appreciate all of you guys listening and let's have a weekend. We'll catch you all next week. Cheers. Peace out. Popcorn. We're finished talking.